Coming up, signs that your ideal job doesn't exist. And then Uber and Starbucks CEOs are taking shifts on the front line. People are applauding it like it's a new great idea. We'll talk about it. Helping you win at work so that you're winning in life, and we do that two ways. I want you to be in the right seat on the right bus, that's professionally, so that you are winning financially and relationally because your work affects so much of your life. So that's what we're going to do. And um, I've got some really interesting uh, conversational data to share with you to start today's show. Because I've been wrestling with this for some time. You know, there's a very common phrase related to work called a dream job. But the way I view a dream job, the way you view a dream job, can be, and many times is, very, very different. So I recently interviewed uh, a, a panel of high school students in the local area here of Tennessee. And uh, it was for a project that we've been telling you about, our uh, Foundations and Career Discovery course. And I wanted real teenagers in there to discuss work from a variety of angles. And I'm going to show you just a moment, just a, a brief little moment of us talking about the concept, the phrase, a dream job. Is a dream job defined by reality or is it fantasy? Watch the conversation. The dream job. You guys are laughing. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that, is that a fairy tale or is it a thing? I want to know what teenagers think. Hmm. I feel like, I almost like, this is kind of mean, but like, it seems like something that you'd want to laugh at. Like if someone's like, oh, I'm doing my dream job, it reminds me of them like like settling. I don't know if that makes sense. Really? Like, I feel like it has this choice of like, oh, I could make money or I could go. Like that seems the options of making money or like in doing what like everyone wants me to do or my dream job. Wow. Are you guys shaking your heads because you agree with that? That the dream job, let me make sure I heard you. That was good. The dream job is something that's really awesome and enjoyable, but I can't make much money in Yeah. It. That's, really? I know when I say it out loud, I know it's not true, but that's oh. fully what I believe. Well, but, but <laughs> that's what's been ingrained into our yeah. brains. Is How? That, How has that happened? Well, because there's certain like sort of like majors or certain sort of career paths that people think that are just like a one and done opportunity mm -hmm. that people think that, oh, like only a few people, like if you want to go into fine arts, if you want to go into art, if you want to go into fashion, people claim those types of like uh, career past uh, career choices that just like hit or miss. Oh, so like- Like really risky. Yeah, yeah. so like normally that's why people, like I agree with you, where people view that as like a, like a dream job versus oh. like the original, like what you listed before, like either like a lawyer, engineer or teacher, that's like the actual like financial job. What I'm hearing you all say is that it's been ingrained into you that the phrase dream job really is fantasy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. See, mm -hmm. that, so I, I hit it. Oh, I'm so sad. I am. Wow, there it is, folks. These are teenagers. They've not sat around and talk about dream job and what it means. And so here I am, this middle-aged dude who throws it out at him. And the big takeaway is twofold. One, that 
the dream job is something that feels good but doesn't pay good. It's something that you can't live off of. It's fantastical in nature. That's wrong, but that is a that is one part of the narrative on what the phrase, the words, dream job mean, I think, to most people. Enjoyable, not feasible. Great, but doesn't pay me well. And in the second way that a lot of people look at it, it was made very clear, is that it's this idea that is actually impossible. Zero percent chance. I'll give you an example. If I look at my life. So if I were to take myself back to the age of those young people in that living room set there. My dream job would have been to play point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. But folks. Just as it was true then. It is true now. There is zero point zero to infinity and beyond chance of me playing point guard for the Lakers. Like, no chance. Thank you, Nathan. Nathan is shaking his head vociferously. He knows. There's no chance. Like, like when I say this, like, do you guys get it? I'm having fun at my own expense. Nathan gets it. Like, no shot. Like, zeros to infinity ever happening. Well, that is a fantasy. A fantasy is unbelievable. But a dream is achievable, and that's the difference. A dream is not this fantasy that I've allowed myself to kind of float into. A dream is I can see it. I know it's possible. And I dream about it. I don't fantasize. I think about it. It's in my mind. It's in my subconscious. That's the difference. But what a discouraging and demotivating way to look at that phrase. So I'm not going to try to redefine it here on the show. But I do want us to see that the things we think about and long for, not in a moment of just crazy fantasy, but I keep returning to these thoughts, and I know deep in my heart, it might be very, very hard, but it is also very possible. So the fantasy, how do we know if it's fantasy when you know there's zero shot? The Lakers. Ken being a point guard of the Lakers, zero shot. Why? I don't have the talent. Done. End of story. I'm five foot nine, can't jump over a piece of paper. Wasn't even really a great shooter. There's no chance. So, how do we know then that the dream is possible? Do I have the talent? I got the core talent. Through education and experience, I can hone it into a sharpened skill. Do I care deeply about it? This is why I use the word passion. Do I love the work deeply? I'm willing to suffer rejection, suffer patience, suffer failure. Come on. That's passion. And then third, do I care deeply about the results of the work? It's not just the enjoyment of the work. It is the satisfaction, the conviction of the results. That is when we know it is, in fact, a dream. 
and it is achievable. So, when you begin to dismiss the dream job as a mere childhood fantasy, come back to those three elements that I teach you must have to know that it is on purpose and thus it is possible because you were produced by the creator of the universe. Produced. Created. To do it. Get to get clear assessment. It'll walk you through talent, passion, and mission and hold your idea up to it. And then you know that you know that you know the dream is worth pursuing. folks welcome back to the ken coleman show i am a man of the people because all i care about on this show is helping you do what you were born to do and that means you're going to make really good money and you're going to feel even better tremendous meaning and purpose and i'm here to help if you're enjoying the show and you're listening via podcast would you follow us and would you give us a five-star review if you are watching on youtube will you like the video and uh, subscribe and maybe give a nice comment and a share, share, share all the way down the board. I would appreciate that. Hey, parents, I launched my very first curriculum for students. Our school system does not train kids to discover who they are uniquely built to be. They don't. They teach them all the other stuff. Oh, you got your STEM, you got all your other stuff. They are uniquely and wonderfully made. And as a result, They should be able to make a much more educated decision about what their future is as it relates to education and training. And I don't want your kids being put on the assembly line that leads them straight to a school they cannot afford and a degree they cannot use. That's why I launched Foundations and Career Discovery. This is a curriculum that is a home study that you can follow along with and help your young person do. And it is only $49.99 for one student. You can add an additional student for $30. You get a year's worth of access to this. Do it as you go. It includes a free teacher account for you, the parent, to be able to get all the additional teacher resources. And teacher, we're using this very loosely. You don't have to sit up and teach them. They can go through it. I'm teaching in the curriculum on video. Each student gets access to my Get Clear Assessment for students. This assessment again, reveals what you do best, what you love to do, and results that motivate you. That is vital information for self-awareness and clarity to move forward. Um, All the details at KenColeman.com slash student. KenColeman.com slash student. All right, so there's a new trend in corporate America, and this makes me laugh that this is a new trend, and people are like, this is amazing. I love it. Oh, this is so good. Experts are quoted in this article, and I'm not going to quote the experts because they're acting like this is now needed more than ever. And the fact is, this should have been going on since the beginning of business. What is the trend? Well, this is a Fortune article here. The CEOs of Uber and Starbucks are picking up frontline shifts. 
And uh, so, you know, you could show up at a certain Starbucks and you roll up to the window or maybe you walk up to the counter. And if you didn't know any better or somebody didn't tell you, the CEO could be in there, apron on, giving you your drink. Or you could order an Uber and the CEO of Uber is picking you up. So this is now, according to this article, picking up steam. As CEOs are looking to deal with the lack of engagement and also get an intimate understanding of their staff and the customer. Now, I don't understand why this is an article. This is mind-numbingly stupid to me that all of a sudden this is a new trend. And I'm only speaking on my, my this is my perspective. I see if I'm running a company that large, I'm going to be out there with the customer on a regular basis. I'm going to be talking with my team. I want to know what the 16-year-old at the point of sale is experiencing. And I want to know what the 66-year-old who's helping deliver the drink is doing. I mean, that's just, to me, it's, it's just a no-brainer. 53% of workers, according to this article, believe that their employees are out of touch. I can't believe it's that low. With what employees want from company culture, according to a survey from HR publishing platform eLearning Industries. Not surprising, given to this piece of data. CEOs spend only 6% of their time with rank-and-file employees on average, according to a study tracking the time allocation of 27 CEOs, this done by Harvard Business School. <laughs> 6% of their time? And we wonder why the Great Resignation happened and continues to happen with 4-plus million people quitting their jobs every month. you got to come out of the tower. You gotta walk through the streets, leaders. And can can we just say this? This is not just me challenging CEOs. Anybody who's listening to me and watching me right now who is in a leadership position, you need to be outside of your office, sitting in the cubes, walking the hallways listening to your team as they interact with each other, as they interact with the customer, as they interact with vendors. You need to be in the trenches. Some of you may not have seen Saving Private Ryan, but I'll use this as an example. Any war movie where the leader of that battalion was in the trenches taking fire. This is a battlefield scene. All right. I'm not I'm not taking you to a scene where they're in camp and the leader's got his tent set up and his right hand is there with him. I'm talking battle scene. You just think of your favorite military movie, war movie, battle scene, the leader is taking fire. They are in the trenches with their men. That's the metaphor. You cannot lead effectively from a tower. 
you say, well, Ken, there's a chain of command that works in military all the time. I get it. But chain of command is the phrase. The general is miles from battle, getting reports through the chain of command. Each time that the communication of the situation moves through the chain of command, it loses its relevance. Is the information largely the same? Sure. But the general's got to make a decision through all of that communication, and they're not on the ground. How can you make the best decision if you're not truly understanding what is happening on the ground? So I applaud these CEOs for doing this. I just think it's silly that, you know, in this article, and again, I'm not going to name these exec, these, these, these experts because I don't want to, I'm not trying to poke fun at anybody. I'm just saying they're acting like this is just some amazing, like it's now, it's needed now more than ever. No, it's always been needed. It will always be needed. It is, in my mind, a no-brainer. Now, here's the question that I have. And I think you leaders out there, if you see your leaders doing this, and you followers out there, if you see your leaders doing this, I think you got to pay attention to this. So here's the question I have for the Starbucks CEO, for the Uber CEO, for these other CEOs who are supposedly doing this now more than ever. This is, to me, because this should always be being done. It's not a, a reflection of the lack of engagement that we have coming out of the pandemic as if it's sort of, sort of this uh, unique time in history, and so I've got to do things a little differently. No, this is a no-brainer. But the question I have is, is it authentic or is it about performance? I mean, are they doing this to lift morale by everybody seeing them and everybody talking about it? Did you hear? Did you hear? Our CEO came in today and made Ken Coleman a white chocolate mocha. Wow. So cool. Had the apron on and everything. Wow. Talk to me. Ask me how long I've been there. Oh, so cool. Is it a PR stunt? Publicly and internally? Or is it authentic? Are they learning? Are they listening? Are they seeing? Are they leading differently? Because they're on the front lines. I'll tell you if you know, it's authentic if they keep doing it and never stop. You were created to fill a unique role in this world through your work. That means you are needed and it means you must do it. And yet that is so incredibly difficult for us to figure out on our own. That's why I created an assessment that essentially interviews you as though you were sitting with me at the kitchen table and I was asking you about what you do best, your talents. I was asking about the kind of work that lights your heart up. You love the work. That's passion. And I was asking you, what results do you want to put into the world? That's mission. You take those top results, you put it in a purpose statement so that you can look at it and see a high 
level job description that will keep you clear, keep you confident, and keep you courageous. The assessment is the Get Clear Assessment. It's only $30 at kencolman.com slash assessment. It's digital. You keep your results, a deep dive report, plus that purpose statement, which gives you so much confidence. KenColeman.com slash assessment. Check it out. Let's stay right here in Nashville in our backyard. Evan is on the line. Evan, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? So um, over the last couple of years, I've taken a little bit of a beating at work, but I've finally settled into a company that treats me good, but kind of underpays me. And I'm kind of getting disillusioned with the work I've been doing for the last six or seven years. Now, my current job would allow me to go to school and get a degree in uh, education, which is something that I would love to do. Specifically but, what? Um, it would be either uh, high school, uh, me teaching high school history or uh, middle school uh, history, okay. one of the two. All right, but you said? But one of my friends is an IT director, for another company, and he has told me they're looking to bring somebody in to do my job, and it would double my income. Okay. So What's the I'm question? kind of in this. I'm kind of in this weird point because I'm, I'm kind of being disillusioned with working in technology. I'm not really feeling fulfilled. And is the that because of, is that because of the pay, or is that because of the position? Uh, I think it's a little bit because I've I've had some really bad I've worked for some really bad companies very recently um, that have just treated me really poorly and also have not invested in their infrastructure in the way they should. Right. And then, yeah. So I'm, my my thing is here is I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's that it's about the position. It's been about the places. And so the question I have is, is this IT position that your friend told you about, did you ask him to describe the day-to-day? Do you have a pretty good grasp of what you would be doing? He, my, my, what I do is very specialized. So it's Um, more of the same? Yes. Okay. Do you like that work? Forget about the environment. I'm talking, do you like the work? Does it challenge you? Yes, it does. Do you enjoy it? If I strip out all the nonsense that you'd have to deal with, do you enjoy the work itself? Yes. Makes you feel good. You get lost in it. Yes. Produces results that you care deeply about. Yes or no? Absolutely. All right, then. So you've been treated like crap. And so when you get treated like crap, you feel like crap. And when you feel like crap, you just want to stop doing what you're doing. But in all reality... um. I'm not convinced that education is the play for you, but I but I will ask you this. Why are you so intrigued by education? Let's assume that I could just give you your teacher's degree right now, your education degree, and you could go teach high school history. What is exciting about that to you? As, as challenging and fulfilling as the some of the work that I've done, the most exciting and fulfilling portions of it have been when I've led training courses. Great. So, that's all I needed to know. So the question now becomes, if this new job 
is a healthy environment where you are not treated poorly. And you get to do the work that you already said you really enjoy in it, and, it, and the results motivate you. And it leads to you leading some people through training, meaning you get the opportunity to not just do the work, but instruct and train and guide, because that's the teacher in you. Would you take that, or would you take the history position? I don't think that you could stop me fast enough from taking that position. Which position? History or IT? The, the IT. I know. So the question becomes in this interview process, you've got to do your homework with your friend. How good of a friend is this? I've known him for about 20 years. Yeah. This is where I wish we could call the friend right now. This is what's missing from this show, by the way, on phone calls. I want to tap into this guy, and I want to ask him point blank. I want to say, tell me about the culture. This is what I want you to do. I want you to say, dude, shoot me straight. I want you to tell him what you've experienced over the last several years, and, and I want you to say, does that kind of stuff happen on a regular basis? Shoot me straight, man. What kind of culture? You know what? In fact, don't tell him. Does he know about all the crap you've dealt with? He's, he's kind of mentored me into my current position. So he knows you've dealt with a lot of junk. Absolutely. All right, then. Ask him, dude, shoot me straight. What's the culture like? That's the first and foremost. Because you already know what the position is as it relates to doing the work you're already doing. And then the third question, so the first question is, and we got the answer to the second one. The first one is, what kind of culture is it? The second question is, is this truly allowing me to do what I've already been doing? And we know the answer is yes. The third question is, will it have a component in the future where I can train and instruct and guide? If I move up the ladder, will it move into where I can train? Because you want to train and guide and instruct. Those are the, yeah. Those are the three questions. And in the interview process, when he's not involved, you gotta, you gotta ask, you gotta exp- express that. Say, hey, I love the work. I'm good at the work. I want to do the work. But I want you to know that I have a heart of a teacher. And to the extent that I can add value to this organization through this position or through growth from this position, where I can lead, guide, train, I want to do that. I would make that very clear in the interview process and see how they respond to that. I don't think going to college to get a degree in education to make less than what you're making now in a public school system that is increasingly difficult for teachers to thrive in is the right move for you based on what we've talked about today. That has been my biggest holdup is I know how teachers are treated and I wasn't sure if I'm going to jump into that. I don't want you to jump into that. I talk to teachers all the time. And and it's not that you and listen, I try to encourage teachers and and you know, some can some just can't do it anymore and I don't I don't judge them. Some somehow figure out how to do it. But it's not about that it's difficult for teachers because it is. It's that you don't have a deep abiding passion to teach history. I don't hear that. I hear you have a deep abiding passion to instruct, to train, to guide to dispense knowledge that you find valuable. That's what I would I mean. agree with that. Good. So my point is, let's do it in the best environment possible for the best pay possible. You got it? Absolutely. And I don't think the public school system is the best environment or the best pay. <laughs> in fact, I know it's not. And, no, it's not. And, and, and so I think you, I think you pursue this thing. Eyes wide open. 
ask the right questions, but pay attention to the existing culture. Because here's the deal. You know why you have the advantage in this? Because you know what an unhealthy culture looks like, sounds like, smells like. Am I right? I can see it from the postings now. All right. So my point is, how do you feel about this other place where your buddy's been working? Uh, I I trust that he's built a team that's going to work well and effectively with everybody, Great. and he has he has no problem punching upward to get money Great. to get things done. Great. So you feel good about it? Yeah. You feel good about him? What about the overall culture? Uh, I haven't worked. I, I haven't worked with him. I know the company. And my, my point like- is, you just told me you can smell it, you can see it from the postings. Do your homework. Don't just rely on your buddy. But I like this direction. I don't think you need to be a history teacher. Thanks for the call, brother. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.